everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. This season is a lot more of a chatty season, so we're going to be touching on the deep topics um, and continuing on with my theme of talking about things that no one really talks about. But it's going to be a less of an interview style, more of a sitting down with people, having open and honest conversations and also answering your guys' questions that you've sent in about topics and things like that. So without further ado, let's get into it. So in today's episode, we I'm joined with Ellen Roberts. Hi, Ellen. Hi. <laughs> Ellen runs Humans in Dance Project. I believe, I think I've said Humans yes, in Dance right. Project. Yes, I've said it right. Um, yeah. And I found her account, I can't remember how. <laughs> she, what if you, just tell this is what you are kind of doing with on your Instagram account. Sure. So yeah, so I'm mainly a ballet dancer. I do all styles of dance, but that's kind of what my main focus has always been. And, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, it's not an easy world. And I just, I think especially over quarantine, I kept thinking like, I want to be able to do something to help, just, just to help people. And I think it's good to start in the dance world. I just wanted to give people a platform to you know, really talk about all the issues that plague the dance world, um, just so that we can have really open discussions and kind of start working towards a more accepting and diverse dance community. Because I think people always talk about wanting to do that, but like we think that we've come so far, but like we kind of haven't. That's literally like- what I've realized through this. I thought we'd made big yeah. changes and then talking to all these people and it's like, oh my god (laughs) it's a whole system but i feel like the first step is just to acknowledge the fact that there are problems but also you know like it comes from a place of love and it comes from a place of loving dance so much that you know you want it to be better and you want it to be a better community so that's why i started it and yeah i think I'm moving more into yeah I'm gonna keep like doing interviews um because I think that's really cool and just trying to give information um about certain topics that are interesting yeah (laughs) Yeah. no definitely and I think that's what kind of drew me to want to chat to you because kind of hadn't seen you know I feel like actually over quarantine there has been more of a I don't know, like I found a few accounts who are doing not the same, but like similar things of wanting to talk about things that like in ballet that are difficult, particularly like mental illnesses and like the struggles and, you know, giving resources and helping like people understand and just providing a platform, I guess, which is really important. Um, I haven't seen one, everything like the, everything that I've seen everyone the communities are still quite small and I really hope that they grow because I know there's so many dancers out there that have haven't 
seen any of those resources yet like obviously like you know like I just I've only got like 500 followers you've got around like 300 like that's not many dancers compared to like grand scheme of dancers and there's not a lot of people doing this and I think it would I guess like what my aim is you know like I'm not I'm not trying to like be famous or anything but like no I would love more as many dancers as I can reach to hear the stories that I'm you know the people that I'm interviewing the topics like this episode today where we'll talk about things to hopefully help other dancers and that's I guess like the goal for me just to help as many that sounds like so like oh god trying to help as many people but like it's important I totally agree agree because every single dancer goes through this Mm. every single one you know everyone has their burdens it comes in different forms but there's not a single dancer out there who doesn't struggle with something exactly yeah and I think that's something that's really important to like acknowledge like on like for every dancer to kind of acknowledge that like everyone does struggle in one shape or form and it's not just oh sometimes you know people think oh it's all about me or like oh so and so they look so happy on the outside or things are going so well for them and oh my life's crap like not literally like oh but like you kind of forget that other people are struggling too because you can become so consumed in it and Mm -hmm. I just think that's really important for people to kind of like just remember yes um okay so nice little introduction let's so for today's I guess episode topic we're kind of we're going to be talking about body dysmorphia I've got a few questions Ellen has a few questions and then we're also going to be going on to like you know other topics around that and there's a lot of things that kind of branch out from body dysmorphia and that sort of idea so I think we should start with kind of this for people who don't know what body dysmorphia here is um I've got a thing here that I mean I sent it to you Ellen I know you yeah. also posted a thing on your account so I don't mind which one we kind of like read from <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll read from this so it says here BDD is a pervasive perception that your body is different and more negative appearing than the actual facts no matter how many times you're presented with the facts and this is quoted by Dr John Mayer a clinical psychologist that's one person that's okay and I mean how I would talk about it from my point of view before we get into like you know like the other bits and you can talk about how you would describe it um I kind of say for me my experience it's kind of a feeling of not really knowing what your body looks like almost yeah and it's really hard to kind of like like what I found difficult at times is to kind of gauge where I kind of it sounds really bad but like where I would sit in like a class in terms of oh this is now just getting really (laughs) we're just going straight into like weird mental stuff but like comparing your body to other people and not kind of knowing where you stand in terms of the shape the size of your body like it's weird and it's kind of like not a great thing to you know we know we shouldn't be thinking like that and that's not what it's about but you know many dancers do think about that and I remember when I was in second year of full-time training I was talking like 
I think for something that I found difficult is for whole of my life I have always kind of just thought my body is bigger than it is or what other people see it as and I think that's quite mm-hmm. common for in like body dysmorphia and things like that and I just remember having conversations with friends and they were like you know gosh okay we're like comparing the size of um our legs I know that's I feel like that's quite a common thing I've heard it even more recently like that was years ago and then I heard it dancers talking more recently about it um and yeah I just completely was kind of in denial of how I kind of look like what how I looked like I don't know that makes sense that's kind of my experience on a vague note how about for you um how would you kind of describe it and yeah yeah I would say I definitely agree with you I think I I feel like I've always seen my body body for what it was, mm-hmm. but I just saw that as very negative and just never, never good enough, never thin enough than the girl next to me. Yeah. And I think I would just zero in on my own flaws really intensely. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's also a very yes, that's definitely yeah, that's also of yeah. body dysmorphia is yeah. just blowing your flaws out of proportion and yeah I think that comparison is the devil it is literally the worst thing that you can do and I realized that even I swear in my experience the skinniest girl in the room and just like literally the thinnest girl you've ever seen they still don't see themselves that way and they don't think that they're good enough like it's and so that's when I realized I was like oh so, like, there's never going to be a point where yeah. I think that I look good because there's always going to be someone who I think looks better. Mm. So now I just don't compare myself really to anybody because I think, yeah, I think it's pointless. It's a waste of time because you might want to look like the girl next to you, but she does. She wants to look like someone else and so on and so forth. So you just have to be grateful for what you have and, like, fuel it well so it's you know it's tough though I think it is a lifelong struggle it's definitely journey of kind of like kind of finding acceptance um Mm -hmm. I don't think I think for a lot of people it's it's not I mean I don't really know if it's like something you can like fully like get over particularly if you like are going to be in dance and you are going to be a lead tab I don't know but like it's Mm -hmm. something that definitely the comparing yourself to other people is literally the worst thing you could do like for as a dancer also your happiness like like you just said it just becomes a never end every never ending cycle because there's always going to be someone you would want to look like like there's just it's just crazy and it's so you know it's just sad that I look back at my younger self and I feel like I've got to a point where I'm a lot better at like not comparing myself. It still happens um, for sure. I don't think you can really run away with, from it in dance. Like, you know, she, no. Especially if you're standing next to you are You're compared to each other by like artistic stuff. Like you, that's the difficult thing. And I know. It's so difficult. It's, it's brutal. It's, it's brutal. It's never ending. It's so tough. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read out some symptoms that are on this thing. By the way, this is from an account called Global Reform. 
and the topic of that they've got a, it's like a carousel carousel post anyway so symptoms it says obsessing over body flaws real or perceived so that's literally what you were saying trouble focusing on things other than these flaws yep low self-esteem i definitely experienced that mm-hmm. avoiding social situations yes and that's something i kind of want to talk about at some point as well yes. we can in this episode if you if that's something you've experienced too we can kind of like yeah difficulties concentrating at work or school yeah <laughs> repeated behavior to hide imperfections that can range from excessive grooming to seeking plastic surgery interesting mm-hmm. i think that's more of like a facial yeah thing. becoming obsessed with your face yeah yeah and like i can see that being a thing that's not saying that but obviously everyone's different obsessive yeah. mirror checking dodging mirrors altogether mirror checking is oh oh that is oh. major Ooh, that oh is a major God. that is a bad not good one compulsive behavior such as skin picking okay and i, I mean <laughs> i pick myself not in a like com- obsessive way but like I, okay then yeah. it's probably not the same uh, a strong belief that you have a defect in your appearance that makes it ugly or deformed okay so I think this is more to do with like um like facial this part an idea that others take particular note of your appearance negatively or ridicule you I think that's something that I definitely yeah. agree with like I feel like for a lot of times like with parts of my body that I felt uncomfortable about I felt that the teachers also thought that yes. they were not like you know that's not how I should look sort of thing or like Mm -hmm. oh this was too big when I mean bloody wasn't but like (laughs) it was you kind of when you get like obsessed about like a part or something yeah you think everyone else is like looking at you and thinking oh my gosh yeah I feel that (laughs) Mm -hmm. so risks says relatives with BDD or OCD negative life experiences perfectionism social Societal pressure and beauty standards are the mental health conditions. Yes, we can agree on that. Um, Complications, if not diagnosed, BDD can result in mood disorders, suicidal thoughts slash behaviour, anxiety disorders, eating disorders, substance abuse, health problems, physical pain. I think we can agree that they're definitely underdiagnosed. BDD often goes under, under, undiagnosed because people are too ashamed to admit their body's insecurities and concerns. That's definitely a big thing in ballet. Like I think yeah. just like just talking about ballet on its own, like we don't really, it's per, it is personal obviously to talk about our insecurities, but I think, I think sometimes talking about it, I think obviously it depends, but I think talking about it and even if it's just to a close friend can kind of help almost like get over it kind of like take a step back and I think that's really important obviously not everyone's in a position to do that ready yet but that's okay um so there are a few points from that account but there's many Ellen has a post on her page about it as well and you've got a lot of things we can you've taught you've got some things about your personal things so let's kind of go into that before we go into the questions so however much detail you want to go in um I'd like I'd be interested and I think it will help the listeners 
um, to kind of hear your experience with body dysmorphia and kind of how it affected you and then how what have you done to kind of what has helped you to kind of like get through it if that makes sense yeah so first off I just want to start by saying that I have actually never been officially diagnosed with bodies (laughs) and I think I think that if I were to go to a mental health professional without a doubt I would be diagnosed with it because I have experienced every single symptom listed since I was 14 you know so but you know there is I almost this is why I think that body dysmorphia often goes undiagnosed mm-hmm. because I thought I would I would go through phases where I would like starve myself for two weeks come back to normal eating for two weeks this and that so I would kind of go back and forth yeah. but I would always be extremely unhappy with how my body looked but so that made me think oh like so I'm not anorexic right you know maybe I'm not even orthorexic because I was almost going back and forth between like a binge eating and you know eating like nothing basically so I was like oh so maybe I don't have an eating disorder so you know I never went to a doctor about it but I mean I I absolutely like have it still have it like again yeah that's something I that's also something I think that dancers don't really do I feel like a lot of the times also I think I I wanted to talk about orthorexia because I think tons of dancers definitely suffer from undiagnosed orthorexia I mean I can I can think of like 10 people you know right now um but just to talk about a little bit about my experience with body dysmorphia I mean Mm -hmm. I think it was it was triggered by my body changing around you know 13 14 getting hips being terrified of like having boobs that was like my biggest like fear in the in the world basically um so that sent me down a spiral absolutely um and then I moved out at 14 to go to University of North Carolina School of the Arts, which is School of North Carolina Ballet. And going there and not having my parents, like absolutely made it worse because I was alone, you know, and I controlled what I ate. I didn't have anyone putting food on the table for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was just deciding what I was eating all the time. Sometimes that was nothing. Sometimes it was, you know, I like, I went vegan. Literally, just, I went vegan and not because I like. Yeah. No, same. Yeah. Purely so that it would be easier to say, oh, like, sorry, I can't eat that. You know? You know, which I think is also a common thing. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then it got a little better because I realized that I needed to start eating just healthy, period. Like, not calories, but, you know, what I'm putting in my body. But then I went to this woman when I was like 16 and she gave me a calorie counting app. Oh God. And so, and I look back and I'm like, I don't understand why she would do that or do that for a 16 year old. I think that's crazy because Mm. then I literally counted every single calorie that entered my body. And so maybe I was eating healthier and eating more than before, but I was still eating you were so obsessing though over yes, the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I put I always put it on the setting where it was like you're trying to like 
lose, lose weight. two pounds a week. Oh, okay. I guess yeah. I was eating like twelve hundred calories while yeah. working out for like however many years. And then finally, I got to a point where honestly, I was going through other mental health struggles for the first time in my life. And my body didn't seem like such a big problem anymore. Because I was honestly more concerned with like, I was a little bit I was going through struggles, I was depressed. And so, but then I started relying on ballet. Um, Or I just I was, I was very unhappy outside of ballet. So I kind of like poured myself into it. And so I, I kind of changed the way I was working in class. I stopped focusing so much on how I looked and I was more focused on, you know, what the teacher was saying for God's sakes, which is like the best thing to do. And then, you know, my teachers were like, oh, Ellen, like you're really improving. Like you look a lot better. And I was like, you know, this is the first time in my life that I'm not staring at myself in the mirror constantly in class. So then I realized that that, was helping my dancing. And honestly, ever since that point, now I do a lot um, more contemporary in jazz and I'm in musical theater. Um, ever since that point, I've just danced for the joy of it and just and just learned that. I mean, again, it's a never ending struggle. It's not like I'm magically cured. Yeah. I mean, I'm better, I eat, I eat a normal amount now. Um, and I just, try not to zero in on those flaws because I just realized that it makes me a worse dancer. And in order to improve, I have to like let go of that. And it's so hard, but I think that's probably the biggest advice I would give to people is you just gotta yeah. stop looking in the mirror. Yes. So Definitely. that's my feel. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. I think like the mirror can, yeah, it's difficult to kind of like break that off. But you have to because it can be it can control your life and it's not it's not the right not the path you want to go down. Especially yeah, what about you actually? I'm kind of curious. Like, um, okay, so I guess like my experience yeah. with um body dysmorphia, I get this dysmorphia. So like you, has never been diagnosed, and it's something I've never I actually didn't think. I thought it was normal for a very long time. Yeah. until kind of I learned about I was like oh what is this oh my gosh okay oh I feel like this so I think I so <laughs> I guess this is just quite no I won't go I'll start from so for most of my life I think like particularly when I moved to the UK which was when I was 10 I've always been quite aware of how my body looks even though I didn't want to become a dancer until I was 14 but I was always kind of aware of my, I guess, my weight, how I look compared to other girls because I, for a long time until I had, had a growth spurt, I was kind of like more on the, um, okay, I, I say chubby side. I wasn't really that chubby, but like I felt bigger than I looked, but like I wasn't, I don't know, like every kid's kind of different, like, but I just had a more of a, chubby shape like I hadn't grown anyway whatever <laughs> that I always like I was kind of always aware of that and I had um and then as I was like slightly to take ballet more serious I kind of was starting to be like oh like I feel like I need to look a bit different and blah 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 like I need to I don't feel comfortable in my body um and then I started I got into were you ever ever part of not part of but like 
in 2013, like the whole Tumblr, were you, did you know anything about that Tumblr? There was like a thin spo and fits. Oh, fits oh yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, Tumblr. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. Okay, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of was um very triggering. Interesting. <laughs> triggering for me, like, and like how I saw myself. And I used, yeah. so I think it started as, um, I started like what that kind of thing doing a lot of body checks and I was very aware not aware but I was constantly looking at myself in the mirror even when this is before I started dancing like full-time and then I started dancing full-time and so between this time I'd you know my body had changed I'd had a growth spurt um and I then you know I was then quite small particularly looking back down off back on photos I'm aware now how like petite I was at the time however no you would ask me I would say I was fat like genuinely could not see like there was some connection in my brain that wasn't working um and that for me like I really kind of struggled because again you know touching on like social aspects that kind of prevented me like socializing with other people my year like I wouldn't when people started going out like I guess clubbing and drinking I really felt uncomfortable like going out and like dressing up and I guess like that whole thing like I felt really uncomfortable in my body I don't didn't know what to think of it um and I guess I just struggled with kind of seeing myself how maybe other people saw me or like the teachers saw me because you know I'd never the the whole time I was going through what I think back now and I think is so messed up but you know although it is so bad that you know teachers tell students to lose weight and you know they'll make comments to students my whole time I went through expecting someone to come up to me almost like wanting someone to come up to me and be like oh Romy like we you know, I think you need to lose a bit. Don't know why I thought that. Like, it's really strange when yeah. I look back. But it's like I wanted someone to tell me like I wasn't good enough or something. Like in that sense, very yeah. weird. I don't know why. And then I don't know. Like it was so strange, and I, I just become became like very. I was always just very fixated on my body, how it looked. Um, and I always, you know, wanted, I've always been quite, I guess, insecure about my legs. And yeah. that was a big thing for me, how like, yeah, I felt. And I think that even affected my technique. Like I would stand at the bar and I wouldn't engage my legs properly because I didn't like the feeling of my thighs touching in first mm-hmm. position. Like what the, f- like I'm literally, what the fuck, man? I know, I know what you mean. Oh, oh my God. Literally, I can't, I can't deal with myself back then anyway. um but I think some and like you said comparing was a big thing I would always compare you know the shape of my legs to the other girls in my class and I think as I slowly went through I it it got better I started you know looking after myself better and eating better because there were I was going through like phases of I think subconsciously underfueling it was weird yeah. it wasn't it was like I was aware I never like I never like starved myself or like I guess skip meals to that extent but I was not eating enough for quite yeah. long for like 
quite a while um yeah. again going going back to how you went vegan I went vegan too and I think at the beginning it definitely definitely wasn't health it definitely wasn't like animal that whole like welfare reasons um and in my first year I guess I did struggle with a bit of like orthorexia to the extent yeah. you know I wouldn't eat any I didn't use any butter or oils and I was very strict about not having oil I was like high carb low fat like whatever some right. stupid thing. um <laughs> so but anyway um I guess and then basically all I can say is it's been a journey and I definitely have got a lot better um but I think it's still like it is still difficult to like not compare yourself and all that to other people that's definitely been something that I have had to get over if that wow. makes sense but it's a I think you all you can do in situations like this is just be kind to yourself and remember that it is a journey and you're not you will go through like really I guess dark times and difficult times like yeah I guess that's kind of my little thing <laughs> could I I guess it's the sort of thing like I do want to do an episode like because I know this is probably the most the listeners have heard about me because I haven't really talked about my experiences at all but I do mm. want to I guess talk about them because I think otherwise I just feel a bit stupid <laughs> interviewing everyone else and no one knows why yeah <laughs> anyway okay let's should we talk about a bit about like orthorexia before we get into the questions sure yeah yeah okay so I've also got a post up here that I'm going to just read from what is orthorexia a thread so this is someone put this the most simple definition is the unhealthy obsession with eating healthy yeah so I'm going to just read through this so the problem with orthorexia is those who struggle are applauded for their health behaviors I can vouch that that is true in my experience I became someone that ever being like oh my god Romy you're so healthy I look back I'm like healthy hmm right right because mm-hmm. it was balanced and I was fueling myself properly and I was yeah healthy mm-hmm. right got it I'm being sarcastic if that if the names <laughs> are a bit confused but <laughs> definitely being sarcastic there um like I ate well but there was a bit of an obsession with that anyway but yeah orthorexia causes extreme stress anxiety and worry about health behaviors and overall health yeah examples include compulsive checking of ingredients lists cutting out an increasing number of food groups spending hours planning food or thinking about what foods may be served and unusual interest in what others are eating Yes, orthorexia mm-hmm. severely impacts emotional well-being and mental health, um, most often causing a missing period and digestive concerns, but can also impact bone density, heart health, etc. While there is no not a diagnostic code for it, orthorexia often exhibits similarities to anorexia and bulimia, or your doctor can also use code for eating disorder not otherwise specified. Okay, there we go. Let's unpack that a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so... I guess how I kind of like just say like orthorexia exactly how they said is the kind of unhealthy obsession with eating healthy. I kind of think about it as a very particularly like cutting out food groups because you think they're unhealthy, whether that be like 
actual foods themselves or groups like I said in my experience I was not eating barely any like oils um I think I wasn't even really eating any like nut butters either or nuts or seeds mm-hmm. oh god it was um, like high calories yeah like I but it was strange but I guess in my head but then I wouldn't so I didn't really eat a lot of bread at that time either so I think that was something and pasta was yeah. things I was still quite I thought that I shouldn't be eating them and I thought that yes. what I was doing was right I thought I didn't think I, there was an issue. I thought I was being healthy and I was like thriving off my fruit and vegetables. Woo! Right. <laughs> like, yes. just, like, so, like, I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but then at the same time, I do think, you know, I still would go out to dinner and I'd sit or I would order a pizza and I wouldn't get too hung up about it. But then at home, I was very, when I was like dancing and during my strict timetable, I was quite strict with the way I guess I ate really. But I thought that's because I was being, doing the best that I could. I wanted to, you know, it was all, I think it was like a perfectionist thing. Yeah. This is why orthorexia is so tricky is because Mm -hmm. it's so, I think it's probably the most common eating disorder, definitely in the dance world. Or maybe just in general, I think, because people are often praised for it because yes yeah the obsession and it's like the saying that like food is fuel i understand that food is fuel but also like if you're thinking that way and you just think it's like food is also supposed to be like an enjoyable experience exactly you know it should be it should be joyful. I think that's what's really sad is when food becomes just just such an anxiety. Just that, like, yeah. It's just about, like, the vitamins in it instead of, like, what you actually enjoy eating. Yeah. And, again, it's, like, you can enjoy eating healthy things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes people find, like, feel really guilty for eating things that they like. Yes. Yes, there's a big thing about guilt and finding – yeah, feeling guilty for enjoying something, yeah. um, particularly if it's like something that isn't deemed, I guess, healthy by society. Um, I know, and like there's so many like um, no foods. Like I think, yeah. or just you know, foods that it, it does it doesn't even make sense. Like I think my brain did this a lot and still doesn't. I'm like, oh, okay, so I can eat this salad. That's like. 500 calories but if I have a serving of but I was like oh but I could never eat like a serving of pasta that's 500 calories but I'm like it's the same amount of energy it's just different foods and or it's like I'll eat even more like it it just doesn't yeah, make sense I know what you mean. some foods that you're just like no I can't eat that that's unhealthy but it's like yeah. by whose measure like it, yeah. it's all subjective it's just how it makes your body feel yeah and I think that's, again, like what we're talking about with body dysmorphia, things like that take, really take time to heal and kind of get over and like unlearn like things yeah. that you've been like conditioned to think by whoever, like, right. I don't even know where half of it comes from, to be fair, but I, yeah, I would just say maybe the internet, the internet people. I remember there was like a phase where teachers were like telling people to like, be like, oh, you should only be eating carrots, blah, 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 blah. Like, like, get out, like, get in the 
it was just sh- like stupid things like right. yeah you hear teachers will just like give stupid like advice when they're not qualified to and I think that's like yeah. the issue but I think what you said is definitely the whole thing about like you know it could be the same both foods contain the same amount of energy but because one you know you tell yourself you shouldn't have it or like you're not allowed for whatever reason but like you can have the same amount of energy in another thing and that's something that I've definitely got a bit better about at and I think you know okay but what would I enjoy would I rather have this which I'm going to enjoy and you know it still provides me good nutrients and it's these like some well sometimes not sometimes I just want to have it because I want to have it which is nice that I'm at that point but obviously but I remember those times where that would be god no has nothing in it that is like I guess has no vitamins it might not really have a lot of protein or might ha- be too high in fat or too high in carbs for whatever reason but then right. like I don't know I just think although it's difficult but we really have to try and find a balance yeah. and I did a really good episode where um one of my first episodes in the podcast with the um Grace and Ava Sauter I don't know if you know them but anyway they're Americans but um they got a really cute account called the Sword of Sisters and it's like they yeah um and they were just talking about like the best I guess like diet lifestyle for you is the one that's the most sustainable and I completely yeah like it has to whatever you're eating whatever you're doing in your life it has to be sustainable you can't because it's not helpful for you you're going to confuse your body your hormones if you keep flipping to and fro saying you know going through phases of you know the whole binging and restricting thing we know is not like helpful for any like your body's just like what the frick is going on exactly and yeah and it doesn't help with your moods your energy levels it affects everything yeah. It, it runs your life and I, I honestly I feel like the best thing to do is just just don't put a label on anything mm-hmm. don't like exactly. I, like you can eat whatever you want like don't even like you can eat vegetarian like I don't cook meat for myself literally because like I don't know how so <laughs> I'm just like eating like tofu all the time yeah and I don't eat that much meat but it's like I'm not gonna call myself a vegetarian because say I go out with my family and I like want some chicken, like, and then I'm gonna be like, oh no, I like, can't eat the chicken, like, I, da, 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 da. like, no, don't send yourself down that spiral. I think, you know, it's of course if you want to be vegan for, you know, the right reasons, go for it. Like that's incredible. Um, you know, you just, I think just canceling off like entire food groups is just not really gonna be sustainable unless you're like allergic to them. Yeah. You know, that that's different. Like I don't really eat dairy because like I'm alert I am like allergic to it. Like I I just don't like it. And like so that's okay. But it's like if something agrees with me, there's there's no reason to just cast it yeah. off because it's yeah. unhealthy. Mm. It's like Definitely. Hard. Definitely. And that's something like, cause I, I am still, I'm still vegan, but I've definitely got to like, at the beginning I was very like, I guess like clean vegan. Cause there was a phase where like, you know, yeah. in the whole vegan community, it was very, you know, drinking smoothies. Like it was literally yeah. like eating like just fruit and vegetables and having like, no, I don't know. Like it just wasn't balanced. And then yeah, now right. I find it like 
interesting because all those people that I kind of like looked up to and followed for like becoming vegan I guess like helped me transition in that sense or like inspired me have all aren't vegan anymore and I think there's a lot of Mm. it's interesting because I think there's a lot of reasons obviously everyone's got their own reason I have nothing against like if you like sometimes I even question going back and eating like things um but then I think at the same time I'm definitely in a place now where you know I'll happily eat Oreos like I'm like I'm comfortable eating things that are not you know fruit and vegetables that are a little bit less nutrient dense but they're enjoyable and they just happen to have no egg in them or any dairy and then no meat or whatever and I think that's really important to kind of if you are like you know vegetarian vegan or you want to think about why you're making that transition yeah you know like I think it's important to question kind of like is it your ethics do you really think it's going to make you healthier you know what is your idea of health and kind of kind of questioning that for me like it's something I had to find out along the way like it's not something like just suddenly became vegan and I was comfortably happy you know eating like I guess all the foods but you know I guess it just it just happens you know (laughs) so are you happy to go on to we got a few questions yeah let's do it so we'll go I'll do my questions first I've got them here so first one is how do you manage body body positivity in a leotard I don't always know how to it's a hard one it's not it's not easy it's not not easy. easy do you want to give what do you what would you say I would say find Find something that you feel good in, first of all, you know, I think, of course, we would all love to be able to think that, oh, like, I look good in anything, like, I can wear anything and be happy for me, and I feel like for most people, that's not the case. I do like buying leotards that, you know, create a nice line, and, you know, you know, are good for my body shape. I, I think it's, it's important to wear what makes you feel good yes definitely if you're wearing a leotard that you really like I think a lot of people sometimes if they're like wearing their favorite leotard like they'll have a really good class like mm-hmm. I feel like people will say that all the time I do like, agree with you know what I mean like that can it can really affect you because you know if you're wearing something you don't like then you think you look ugly therefore you dance worse yeah exactly it's totally psychological so you almost have to like trick your mind and be like oh I look good today and then you're you're gonna dance better probably yeah. but I mean it's it's not it's not easy <laughs> I mean it's leotards and tights that is a brutal uniform you're totally exposed you know it's not easy I don't know what would you say I'd say I think something that I think is important to kind of like think about when you know you're going to be in a leotard and tights every day and it's something that you kind I think it's first of all finding acceptance with the way you kind of look for now I'm not saying you have to like complete like when I say acceptance I don't mean like just I know how to explain that but try and focus I guess more on the way you dance rather than the way you look absolutely because it can become such a spiral of you spending an hour and a half yes I think your energy 
in your brain is just going on to how you look in the mirror and how you look in a leotard compared to everyone else. And again, going back to the comparison thing. So I think it's, or no matter, I know it's so hard, but trying to think more about, you know, focus on feeling your body, feeling the, you know, your muscles, feeling the way, enjoying the music, you know, trying to think about, okay, how can I, make this exercise exciting and stand out from the girl behind me rather than, Oh, I don't look like her. Therefore I'm not as good or that, you know, trying to take, I don't know. That's what I'd say other than, you know, I completely agree. I think what, first of all, is important to make sure you feel kind of like comfortable in like what you're wearing. Yeah. But it's hard. And that's okay. And I think as well, it's okay if you have like bad days where you don't like, how you look in the mirror in your leotard it happens and I think like it happens to everyone but you just have to separate yourself from it as much as as best you can okay next question is overcoming issues with personal body proportion in a world that perpetuates perpetuates a singular aesthetic Hmm. that's interesting one I think hmm overcoming issues with personal body proportion in the world that perpetuates a single aesthetic proportions is is all is very interesting because it's mm-hmm. not necessarily your weight yes um, could be yes lines yeah. of you know legs height you know the shape what am i talking about the length of your legs the length of your torso like i yeah i get yes. that i think I know I'll talk I'll just give this a go I think something that's helped me kind of accept my I guess my proportions because we can easily get um sucked into what we see on social media what I see a lot of is 14 year old girls who haven't hit puberty with very open hips high legs gorgeous feet some of them really good at turns, some of them really good at adage, whatever. But yeah. I can tell you now, the majority of them have not hit puberty. Okay, just, you know, their body will change. And, mm-hmm. and then I have, you know, I have followed dancers whose body have changed over time, which is normal and fine. Yeah. Um, but it's important to not kind of put on a pedestal the prepubescent one. And something mm-hmm. that I think yeah. has helped me is instead of looking and taking things the things I see on social media as bible is kind of looking more at professional dancers in companies all over the world women who you know particularly the ones that are strong that what in my definition I call a strong they're not you know I wouldn't say the best idea is maybe I mean I guess it depends but we can get sucked into I guess the quite Russian ballet ideal of very long lean lines yeah. and forget about that actually in the majority of the companies in the world actually not all the dancers look like that particularly no. the ones that are working professionally and I think that's yeah. what we it is very easy to get sucked into that kind of that the teen dance world on Instagram yeah and I, I even forget I have to I'll see like a dance I'm like oh my god she's so beautiful I wish I looked like her like she's bloody 14 years old get a grip like what are you doing like you're 20 years old and there I am in my head like, yeah. mentally, like comparing I'm like 
she literally hasn't grown like what are you doing Oh my god, that's, that's really true. It's so yeah. funny, like, when you think about it like that, it's literally like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. It's wow. so, it's bad. But I just, I don't know if that makes sense, but maybe look, try and find, because in, I actually wouldn't say there's one singular aesthetic. I think it does depend on the company, kind of what they're into. Yeah. And I think it's important to kind of, like, look elsewhere. What you're looking at now try and broaden that because I'm I'll tell you I can tell you there is more to what you're seeing there are yeah. people you don't see on social media who aren't you know insta famous or whatever there's companies yeah. that there's dancers that don't post at all who you might be able to find on YouTube but don't I think what's difficult as well like particularly I don't know like I'm sure you've probably seen the pre lasagne yeah <laughs> yeah um but everyone's really young. Like, you know, there are yeah. a lot of young dancers and a lot of them haven't hit puberty. Like, just putting that out there. I mean, some of them might have, but I remember watching it with my friends and we just kind of all realised, like, wow, everyone is really petite, like, really small. Yeah. And you can get sucked into thinking that that is the be-all and end-all because there you have 50 dancers who pretty much all look the same and you think, oh, my God, like, here I am on the sofa watching the Priddlers on like a slob. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so true. And, is okay, so it's so okay. <laughs> I know. It's oh my god, I know. <laughs> it's tough. Those those shows because like that that is the standard. That is what is being praised. Yes. You know, it's really hard because and you're you're watching like the top of the top but yeah I actually I interviewed my friend Evelyn yeah I saw that mm. yeah she was a finalist this year and she was talking about like how she was there and like she felt like that anxiety kind of, of like never feel she felt like she didn't look good enough mm. meanwhile yeah. thousands of girls are watching her wishing that they looked just like her, you know, but she's there having anxiety, feeling like she's not going to, you know what I mean? It's just like, again, it just all circles back to like, you just have to be able to just accept it. And you know what? Like if that's like, for me, I, I did used to watch a lot of Russian ballet dancers. I would watch all those like documentaries on like the Vagadova school. Like I just accepted one day. I was like, I am never going to look like that because it's not physically possible for me so you know what i kind of stopped paying attention to those companies because i realized that like that's not really that's not going to be my dance style it's not going to be what i look like so i don't aspire to look like svetlana zagarba because i know that i'm never going to yes so same. i tend to you know look at different companies like Netherlands Dance Theatre or Royal Ballet even, honestly, like... Yeah, um, their their dancers are beautiful. They do. I mean, yeah, you can look at... You can even look at Royal Ballet. Like, think... I mean, I think for me, best dancer on the planet is Marinella. Best dancer ever. She... she, I like, obviously, this is not... um, This is not negative on her body, but she's not, like... She's Super a woman. Tall. Like she's she's, she's an a woman. Yeah. Yes. She's, I mean, not an ounce of body fat, like perfection. Mm-hmm. But she she has a womanly shape. She doesn't she doesn't look like a fourteen year old. Yes, you know exactly. I mean? like, 
that's inspiring to me. I, I, I like you, I identify with dancers who look very strong and, you know, have power behind their movement. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean, and that's just me. That, those are the kind of dancers that yeah. inspire me now, personally. Definitely. And I think that's, yeah, you have to try, try and find, look at other companies, have explore and kind of realize that sometimes well, you should, first of all, just never really compare your body to someone else's, but don't yeah. think, oh, okay, I want to look like so-and-so because your body never will look like so-and-so's. So I think that's yeah. important to try and get rid of that mindset. Yeah. Um, so another, we've got another question of, is what causes body dysmorphia? And I think we kind of touched on like our experience of kind of how they came about. And I think for everyone they're different on kind of like what might trigger it yeah um so yeah don't i mean do you have anything i mean for me it was just body going through body changes yeah. made me obsessed with my appearance i think it, it just stems from staring at yourself for an unhealthy amount of time i think that's how a lot of ballet dancers develop body dysmorphia is because no human is meant to stare at themselves for that long, like ever. Like no one does that. There is not a single yeah. other profession where you're staring at yourself in the mirror as much as you are if you're a dancer. Maybe like a model, but not even then, honestly. Yeah. No, it's like, so then you just become zeroed in on your appearance basically at all times. And I think that that can really trigger body dysmorphia because eventually yeah. I think just how our brains work if you stare at yourself long enough, you're going to find a flaw. Yeah. But you just got to go crazy. Like, you're looking for it. Like, you're, yeah. you're looking for it. It happens, awesome. you know. And I think as well that I think something that contributes is kind of like a dissatisfaction with the way you look. And like yeah. we touched on before, comparing yourself. And kind of then you kind of can come into a hole of not really knowing kind of what's right and what's wrong and what you're seeing yeah i think that's kind of like the base of it and i think we kind of talked about yes yeah um what can you do to stop looking in the mirror in a bad way i think we kind of touched on that in the first question do you think but you yeah. can talk I just, just what don't just don't remember that you are a human being you're not just a reflection in the mirror you know like you're whole and if you remember that then you just like don't don't look just don't, don't do look, you know just don't look at yourself and honestly for me another thing i realized dancers who are constantly staring at themselves in the mirror while they're dancing i'm like what are you doing like this isn't dancing like we're literally doing like ronda legro and you're literally looking at yourself while you do a torso day like how did you even do that and then the teacher's like what what are you doing like and they could be an incredible dancer but that will I, actually yes, make you not want to watch them yes, because that's I've not seen. performing mm -hmm. there's no there's no mirror on stage that's yes definitely there isn't so remember because yeah in the at the end of the day you're in a ballet class you're training to be at a point where you can dance on stage yeah comfortably technically correct and be able to perform to the point where an audience will pay come see you sort of thing and the director's happy whatever 
Your yeah. so the end goal is to be on stage. Yeah. Exactly as you said, there's no mirror on stage. And I've seen beautiful dancers get into habits of constantly watching themselves in the mirror while they dance and the teachers have picked up on it and found it distracting. It is distracting, you know, you're watching them and they're literally like watching yeah. in the mirror the whole time and it it's sad because, you know, they're a beautiful dancer. And you really don't want that to become a habit. So yeah. kind of try and be aware. And if a teacher said that to you, then, you know, maybe try and have a chat with yourself. And, but it's difficult. It is difficult to kind of like not look at, in the mirror and use it like in a negative way. I think it's important. Try and, I know it's so hard, but, and I know we all want to improve ourselves, which, I mean, actually that's about what come, what I might say. Um, but rather than focusing on the flaws, focus on, okay, what can I add? What would yeah. look, I could do this to make it look like this run thinking, yeah. oh, okay, oh, this is not good enough and it's not going to be good enough. Oh, and you know, I'm not happy with the shape of this and I need to lose weight or whatever because I'm not happy with how I look. Think, okay, how can I, you know, let's try and think about how I can make this exercise more exciting from yes. a, you know can I add a bit of more here can I think about oh okay I really need to focus on my fifths today and kind of trying to find a different focus that doesn't really require the mirror is a tool and I think that's something that we need to remember it yes. can be helpful for us in class because um you know sometimes we do need to use it in a positive but Absolutely. Yeah. You have to retrain your brain, though, I think, to kind of, yes. it, you should use it. That's the thing. I think I actually, I learned so much. My teacher used to record class and she would record, you know, us, you know, in variations class or whatever. And I learned a lot about my dancing while I was doing that and watching myself. And, you know, I, I some of my friends at my, um, in my new class, they're like, oh my God, like I can literally like, can't watch myself dance. Like I can't bear it. And like, I do understand because a lot of dancers are like that and it's so hard. But at the same time, if you watch it with, it's okay to watch with a critical eye. I think it's yeah. crucial that yes. it's a part of what we do. It's maybe mm -hmm. the entire part, honestly, but you have to be able to be like, oh, you know, like I need to relax my hand at that part without being like, Oh my god! Like my legs look so fat. You gotta, yeah. you gotta key in on the right things to help your yeah. dancing. Exactly. Yeah, that's really important. And I think filming yourself is actually really helpful. I know it's like not the most fun thing to do, but like, like you said, trying to focus on the things that will improve your dancing that you can think about, and that will actually improve your dancing. Not focusing on how you look and what you look like compared to someone else but focusing purely on the movement yeah. it's hard. And I think it's definitely, it is a process that you yeah. have to retrain your brain and the way you kind of like perceive yourself and look in the mirror. It's yeah. not easy, no. but it's important to try and do. Okay. So here's another question. This is now going on to your questions. Yeah. Every dancer has a slight dysmorphic view. How do we know when it's too far? Mm. I mean, I guess oh, well. when it's kind of just the only thing that you're thinking about mm -hmm. in class, I think that's when you know it's too far. If you can't yeah. snap yourself out of it. 
Yeah. And it's taking, it's sucking the energy out of your, like it's taking more energy to kind of like focus on how you look rather yeah. than being able to dance. And it's like, you know, I feel yeah. like you, well, it kind of becomes exhausting, essentially. Yeah. You'll know because you're exhausted with how much you're obsessing over the way you look. Yes. But also, you know, maybe if you're kind of like confused on that, sometimes it might be, I think every dancer, like, I mean, this girl even said every dancer is a slight dysmorphic view. Find a friend that you feel comfortable, like, talking to and be like, hi, like, hey, be frank with them. Let them know how you ask them. Oh, have you ever felt like this? Um, I'm not sure I'm kind of feeling this and, you know, see what they say. They might be, you know, I think it's difficult if you are really like, I guess like in my experience kind of you can't really like see your true self, like not when I say true self, but like you kind of have difficulty knowing what your body really looks like. I think that's kind of not the best place to be. Um, but I think it is helpful to talk to someone. It yeah. might help also help you realize that, okay, wait a sec, this actually isn't normal, helpful, good. Yeah. But also maybe this, like, hopefully this episode kind of helps with that and you kind of realize if you're thinking, oh, I've thought that before, I feel that, it might help, I guess, me- I guess realize or be aware. Yes. Yeah, but it's difficult. And I think a lot of the time, like we kind of mentioned earlier so much of it goes undiagnosed that it's just something that can just become part of your life I know that sounds so sad but yes yeah okay and the last question is how supported do you feel by your peers Hmm. Hmm. kind of intrigue I'm assuming they kind of mean like I don't know what that means. Maybe we can take this as like what kind of environment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 Class or creating because that can also be a may that can play a major major yeah. role. You know, I think for me, I actually right now. Oh my gosh, I actually adore the girls in my class right now because we keep it so positive. I think I think that's actually the, the beautiful thing about being older in the ballet world is finally being really open about the fact that we are all like struggling and, and this is really tough and we all put so much pressure on ourselves. So, you know, like we're so supportive in class. Like we snap, we clap, like, I'm like, you know, I mean, we do, I like to do everything, honestly, because I just know how hard everyone is on themselves. So, like, you just want to make them feel good. If they do something well, I think, so, you know, they deserve to have some have some praise for that. But, I mean, you know, like, when you walk into an audition and, like, everyone's like, like, why? And I... why? Why are you acting like that? Like, we're all nervous. Why don't you just be normal, be nice? Yeah. Like, but it's because people have the guard up so much and like, but now that I walk in and be like, I can see right through that. Like, listen, yeah. we're all feeling insecure about our dancing and our bodies right now because there's pressure. So, you know, you might as well just 
be nice and crack a smile because you know we're under enough stress already so I, luckily i've i've never had like bad people in my class who have made me feel worse that's just so, me though what about you yeah i mean I completely agree. I think as we get older as dancers and you kind of be aware when you become aware of kind of like, I guess your insecurities and kind of everyone's kind of past that really strict school phase and you kind of yeah. going, I think also it's come going into a more professional environment. Yeah. Um, and it kind of becomes a bit more like chill in a sense. You don't have assessments. Like, I mean, it's still competitive, but it's not the same. Um, yeah. And I remember we were very, like where I last was like everyone was obviously a lot older we were all we'd all graduated from school and everyone was really kind of just like open with like how they felt about things and if someone was having a bad day like we you know yeah. talk about it and it was just nice because I felt like there was a lot less like I guess hiding of or like trying to cover like how we like felt and you know we would openly like just chat about oh you know we used to talk about our experiences at school and like yeah. you know those sort of things and I think it is kind of like helpful when you have like a good support network of like dancers who are open to kind of talk about how they feel yeah. but I know in school I think it was a bit different because particularly like when things got a bit like competitive like around competitions and mm. I don't know I think and like castings for things things got a bit more weird you know people like oh, it's it's strange and I don't know and I think feel like comments were made quite a lot to people um yeah. like quite publicly in class which never liked helped the actual vibe of the class like the teachers yeah. would like things comment on people's bodies in front of mm -hmm. everyone nice. which is really not helpful and it kind of just like affects everyone yeah. or you know someone some, you know another student might be going through something struggling and then like everyone in your class is kind of like talking about it and then it's but it's like a, everyone knows things are going on but no one talks about it that was like the vibe before and I don't think that was super helpful because it was like a silent competition weird right. thing yeah wasn't great <laughs> wasn't too great um but yeah, there was a, I guess, yeah, I think schools, I guess it's different for everyone. Yeah. But yeah, but definitely I think the support around you is important um, to kind of like get through those tough times. <laughs> Otherwise, God help. Yeah. Okay. So there, all the questions. Um, did you have, do you, I don't know like I don't, I don't have anything else that I kind of want to cover or talk about I feel like we've kind of talked about loads I think we covered a ton we covered yeah. a lot you know and I think all of that's really helpful um yeah. you know we were open and honest with you guys and hopefully you find it helpful and it might make you feel a bit more comfortable um yeah. I guess another thing is if, you know, you're ever confused or you don't know, obviously I'm saying I've got in my um, description of the podcast, I've got like numbers and um, okay. websites that you can find that like, professional help because obviously yeah. me and Ellen aren't like qualified to like give help. But at the same time, 
we are both dancers who have been through the full-time training process wanting to become professional dancers if you know like we're in that kind of life and we've had these experiences so if you ever you know your dms are open i'm sure and you're happy for people to contact you if you ever want like for a chat talk about things same with me um so yeah I, yeah <laughs> do you have anything else to say before we wrap up no that was the no, perfect quick you good okay um let the listeners know where they can find you on social media yeah so um it's at humans and dance project um and then i actually i just started a podcast there's only one episode out right now but it's just the humans and dance project pod it's mm-hmm. podcast so that's okay. i'll check it out yeah, we just, I I did one episode um, with my friend. It was interesting. We talked about actually like gender roles in the ballet world. Okay. Kind of, um, I don't know, just how ballet, ballets, ba- the stories that ballet, ballets tell updated. updated, you know. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but, and then my personal Instagram is at Ellen Roberts with three L's in Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave all that information in the description of the podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you want to check out Ellen and her podcast and Humans in Dance Project, you can. Um, Yeah, I think that's kind of all for today. Thank you, Ellen, for coming on today. It was really great to chat and I really enjoyed kind of just having an open conversation about it. And I think it's really nice. Um, So yeah, thank you guys for listening. And yeah, I'll say goodbye. (laughs) And you can hear me next week. Bye.